the yeast to the types of juice, the, the temperature you're fermenting at, all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where I got the itch to like understand a little tweak can make a fully different end product, you know. And that was Jordan from Incline Cider Company on this week's episode of Brew Roots. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Brutes, where we tell the stories behind your favorite beer. This is Sound Guy Ryan, and joining me, as always, is Erica and Matt. Yeah, Happy New Year 2020 is done. We're in 2021. We're hoping for a way better Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Looking uh, forward to it. I'm glad that we're back together, finally. Uh, You know, we're still six feet apart, but hey. We're here recording the podcast. It's What's only been say? two weeks. Yeah. It's only been two weeks. Yeah. And uh, thank you to all our listeners who continue to listen. Go back in the back catalog. Um, and yeah, shout out to the people who listen to like the Smutty Note Us episodes and uh, the Medford Brewing Company episodes, like our first five episodes. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, power to yeah, you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. but I just power want, to you. I do want to let people know we are going to be re-recording those episodes in the in 2021 yes. probably. So we're going to... That's the plan. Yeah. You know, it's 2020 has been rough for a lot of people. I think 2020 has been absolutely phenomenal for us. Um, we've seen a lot of growth in all of our numbers and listeners, followers, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and we can't thank you, um, everyone, enough for that. And I also want to comment that 2021 has been a year that's been kind of inspiring to us also as we see so many of our brewery friends um, just, you know, adapting and rolling with the punches and and being innovative during times where you're, you know, you're basically faced with, what do I do? You know, and what do I do at the drop of a hat? Yeah. So um, kudos to all the breweries that out, that are out there that are Massachusetts, New England, worldwide honestly that have, have been innovative you know whether it's drive up uh, whether it's delivery what if whether it's you know you have your tap space open and you have social distancing uh yeah just virtual events and yeah. everything else you've had to do to to keep it alive yeah so, um congrats you survived 2020 and <laughs> yeah here's the 2021 it was awesome doing virtual trivia very recently like that's yeah. great like, i can i can't wait to do it in person but with what we got going on right now, uh, keep on keeping on. Like seriously, Mass Beer, you're, you're, you're crushing it, and we love the support you give us, and and we want to just give you all the support that we can give you. Exactly. Um, but speaking of that, we were able to actually kind of break down the numbers thanks to an amazing infographic from our friends, the Mass Brew Bros. Yeah, that. Um, and just other sad news: uh, twelve breweries closed. A few are um, hibernating for the winter, so that sucks. Um. But like we were saying, it's the same as 2019. Yeah. So I guess, you know, on a positive note, we didn't lose a ton, you know, a ton more breweries. Uh, but um, yeah, so sorry to see some go. Um, but I'm excited that many of you are still around. Yeah. I think we've seen more breweries go to a to-go only style than yeah. we have seen them close. Yeah, yeah no, um, for sure. You know, we've even seen people in our area, you know, Sylvaticus, the right now they're a to go only yep. uh, style. There's tons of breweries in Western Mass that are to go only. You know, there's no tap room seating at all, um, which, you know, power to them if they think they can make it work and it's best for them. Great. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad they're not closed. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. And yeah. it's been and it's been kind of um great to see some of our favorite breweries who we've enjoyed going to and they haven't been able to offer you know the cans and we've we've mm -hmm. we've we were just talking about sylvaticus off air they are you know we they're love canning now. Their, their double, double yeah block that they were canning they're, they're canning. canning like no one else right now i mean it seems that they yeah. have a great schedule going they're selling out yeah. of a lot of the uh the, the packs which yeah. is awesome for them you yeah. know power to them especially if you know they're only to go it's really important and in 2020 we've heard so many inspiring stories you know we i think of neil um from gilded skull when you when you look back at 2020 and and he took an absolutely awful situation and if you haven't heard neil's story please go back and listen to the gilded skull episode um and he said you know like why the fuck not open a brewery now in 2020 like it's now or never 
Um, right. You know, we hear Wandering Soul, Matt Smith, you know, just doing amazing things in the brewing community. Um, Rockport launching, for example, um, and countless others. That, and I apologize if we've missed you. And uh, that's it's not intentional, but it's more or less just we could have taken this and just looked at all the negatives that's happened. But there have right. been a lot of positives that happened in, in the brewing community in 2020. Um, and, and, and that is not to grace over the negatives that have happened, but, um, keep on keeping on mass beer community, um, New England, Ma- New England beer community, for sure. United States, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I think the lights at the end of the tunnel with the vaccine coming out and all that stuff. And, uh, we'll see you in we'll 2021. S- we'll see. But, uh, yeah, we have an awesome episode for you. And I always love these episodes because, uh, it's about something that I don't drink a lot um of cider and uh we got to talk to a brewery that was outside of our area a cidery a cidery yeah a cidery sorry <laughs> um and we got to talk with jordan and i love hearing um about cider cideries breweries that have family involved yeah this is literally a father-son situation operation. an operation yeah. I, mean, I know his wife helps as well i believe um and probably his mom but uh yeah no it's it's real just father son just doing it and um it's pretty cool yeah yeah you know i i know i can kind of relate to that you know a family business is super important um and it's actually really rare nowadays you don't see a lot of family-run businesses um like inclined cider um and like i know i'm really proud of being a part of my family business and i can only imagine what how they feel Oh, and, yeah. you know, be able to help, you know, employ people, um, be a part of making the community um, better. Uh, so power to them. Um, it, like, I know I'm really proud of it and I can only imagine how they feel. Yeah. And, and I, I don't have enough good things to say about Incline Cider just because. The cider was great. Oh, it was phenomenal. Was really good. Absolutely phenomenal. And they serve cider in a 19.2 flow ounce. I was going to say some of their ciders. Yeah. Come in the big boys, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, And we realize this is not a mass mass cidery, mass brewery, but it was important for us to, to tell their story because. It's it's a great story that yeah. that Jordan has with his yeah. family and everything. Yeah. No, again, it really connected to me. So like I, I, I really feel like this is a really good story to tell. Um, we do have some important news to kind of tell you about because we have a new affiliate with our podcast. Pew, 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 pew. Uh, so over the last month or two, we kind of have been teasing um, a new brew system that we have been waiting to get our hands on. And we finally got our hands on this, Matt. Um, we did. Woo-hoo! It is from Claw Hammer Supply. That's right. So they're out of Colorado. And uh, if you know anything about Colorado, great skiing, great people, great beer. Well, <laughs> I should say great, what, what was it? Great people, great skiing, amazing beer. Amazing beer. Yeah. Yes. And, and uh, even better beer making equipment equipment <laughs> um so we were really excited about this because ryan and i brewed during the summer and we had a bit of temperature control issues because we're really bad at brewing right noobs, now. noobs. <laughs> <They're> noobs. <laughs> um exactly so shout out to my dad who actually found out about claw hammer sent me a link at 5 30 in the morning because that's when he sends me articles because he thinks i'm yep. awake I'm mostly awake sometimes. Yeah, usually awake, <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're at least up. Or I'm at work, yeah. Um, and we, we, we started talking with uh, with Clawhammer, and we, and we realized that a lot of our our, our beliefs kind of aligned with, with certain things. And, and in talking with Emmett and Kyle and the team there, we said, you know, let's 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 brew on this. Um, so the plan for us with Clawhammer is we're going to be brewing on this pretty ex- exclusively. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh the thought that we aren't able to offer a promo code, but if you we do have an affiliate link and that affiliate link is going to be in the doobly doo below. Yep. And uh it helps us out so if you want to use or find out about Clawhammer, click the link and use our link and purchase one. But the nice thing about this is it's a uh, it's a brew in a barrel system or brew in a bag system, so it's kind of sort of yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's 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 one pot. Super easy to use. Like we brewed a blonde ale, hibiscus blonde ale, and uh, with mango, right? With mango, yeah, yeah. with mango, yeah. And uh, it was so easy. Like the cleanup, all grain system, so it's not like we had extract or anything like that. Yeah, the the cleanup I think was the best feature of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, what did you do? The te- Just uh, hose it down, or 
We hosed it down and then we just ran um, star sand sand through the the whole thing. Um, What was really helpful was because the whole system, you know, it comes with the big grain basket. Yep. Right. So all the grains in there, you're not getting a lot of that, you know, adding to the kettle trube. um, Right. It's already contained. Yep. And then when you need to, you know, after you do your sparge, you can take the basket up. Um, It comes with, uh, you know, the basket clamp so you can set the basket up for it to drain. Drain out properly. Um, Then you take the basket out. It's actually very easy to clean the basket out. Yeah. Um, I was not thinking that it was going to be that easy, but it was actually very easy. Yeah. Was the basket a one-person pull-up, or did you both? No, Ryan did it by himself. I just did it. Oh, easy. Ryan's really strong, people. He's super strong. I'm so strong. But, like, (laughs) one of the other things is when we were brewing and, and, and... Huge shout out to um, to Rockport who uh, who donated some of his equipment for us. Yes, yeah, um, he's the one who got us started. He got us started with this, and it's not that we outgrew it or we said, "Oh, we're better than this equipment." It's just like we, we were, were we wanted go to the next level. We kinda, wanted to kind of go to the next level. Yeah, and we were excited because we didn't have an option of sparge. So this has the option of sparge. Like, it's just a pump. This is it's just an all-in-one yeah. system. Yeah, it comes with the pump. Everything has the. Um, uh, the cam lock um, connectors that you, you know, quick yeah. disconnects. Um, again, as, as well as the uh, grain basket comes with the hop basket as well. Yep. Um, which again eliminates a lot of that kettle tube that you have to deal with at the very end of the cleaning stage. Yep. You know, you don't have to deal with as many uh, the coagulated proteins, etc. So it just makes everything way easier yeah. to clean. Um, and the pump. I mean, how can you? not like this pump yeah. right um it just makes everything way more easier one of the landmarks for me was that we got 80 percent brew house efficiency which yeah. um we, Killer. we looked a lot into the brew house efficiency of, of other other systems and this is not to knock at other systems but you know you look online people advertise oh 75 80 percent 85 percent uh, and you look on Reddit, people say, oh, I got 30% actually with this. <laughs> uh, we actually did get 80% brew house efficiency. Unlike your what? first try. On our first, and our first try. you don't even brew that, we don't often. Brew that often. This is yeah. like, like, that's pretty amazing, and we I got, think. We hit our specific <laughs> gravity like dead on. Yeah, our, our, um, our OG was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. dead on, yeah. uh, which I was blown away. I was like, oh, shit, you know, our OG is probably not going to hit where it needs to be. But at the end of the day, it ended up hitting there, yeah. um, which... You know, makes me think that our FG is gonna be where yeah. ballpark where it needs to be. Yeah. So um, we're, we're you're going for a three point three point three point eight. Yeah, three point eight percent. Awesome. Blonde That's ale. so awesome. Yeah, and we yeah. were thinking about that too. I know we were talking about it before we started recording. Like, Notch is doing low ABV. Beer. Yeah, they're doing. I mean, they point. always have been, but. Like, Still, like, now is kind of the time for that. Like, we, you know, everyone does the whole not everyone, but like we'll do the whole dry January yeah. thing. Instead, just tone it back. Do like a light January, yeah. you know, do like low I'm alcohol so, beers. And- well, that's just it. It's like everyone does the whole like a booze in your face December. Right. And then everyone's a cut back on January, but like the breweries still need your help and just yep, cut exactly. down I, on the alcohol amount, you know? I am not like against the idea of drive January if people want to do it principle. I don't care what you do. Your, your life is, you can choose whatever you want to do, but I am work out more in <laughs> January and drink as much mass beer as you can. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm really happy with the claw hammer. I think we're real happy with it. And, awesome. And I think the plan is for us to get some guest brewers on there, kind of like, you know, your food, yeah. food so network show. On that note, make sure you follow us on YouTube because we're going to be posting um, the, Opening the the what is it unpackaging unboxing unboxing thank you yeah, unboxing we video so Sorry. many cool unboxing so not in the in the know <laughs> and Ryan and I recorded three camera angles which was like a lot for it's us. unreal it, it was, was a lot, lot. <laughs> yeah it was a lot and we had to choreograph some things we have a dance in it and uh, we don't no there's no dance <laughs> oh no Ryan you watch, do watch you till do. at least the seven minute mark there's exactly. a big dance in there. Yeah. Big dance number. At least I don't remember it. Yeah, <laughs> I had, maybe I had a few too many. Yeah. I don't I, know. Ryan had way too many, but he danced like a dancing king. Amazing! Yeah. I, I can't. I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. All right, so I'm super excited for everyone to listen to our episode with Incline Cider. Um, thank you for making it through this far, and I wish everyone a happy and healthy 2021. And we're gonna catch you on the outro. Yeah. And it'll be yeah. Santa Claus this time. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. (laughs) I fucking hope not. (laughs) I'm getting a telegram from the North Pole. All right, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
All right, Erica and Ryan, it's it's almost like we're out of practice at this point because we haven't done... I feel like it's been a week or two? It's been like two or three weeks since we've oh, done an interview. Man. Hot sack. Um, <laughs> and I guess that's just a, an attribute of us being good of actually having a backlog and not having to scramble around. Yeah. Does that mean we're growing up as a podcast? Ooh. Are we adulting? Yeah. Hashtag adulting. <laughs> I hate that I said that, but I said it. Um, but... We're here um, with Jordan from Incline Cider. We're not actually f- with him. We're virtually, virtually with, him. with him. We're with him spiritually. Um, and <laughs> if you know anything about Jordan, he is apparently a avid indoor bicycle bicyclist. <laughs> um, and he has awesome green headphones. <laughs> and that's all we know that's about him. Other know. than the the uh, cider that he makes is phenomenal because that's what we're, we're drinking right now. And thank you for sending us a little care package. We always of appreciate course. it. Um, I'm drinking the peach something yeah the white peach yeah and the best part about the white peach is that it's in a 19.2 flow ounce bottle i'm can't can. <laughs> can, yeah. the extra tall boy yeah extra tall yeah boy. buddy <laughs> and uh, erica you're drinking i'm having the uh the lemongrass cider which is pretty fantastic very refreshing sound guy ryan i'm doing the passion guava Ooh. nice oh, the, so passion yeah the newest we just just came that up like a little over a week ago so nice. those are those are fresh. Freshies, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're going to get into these 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 particular ciders a little bit more into the episode. But as we start every podcast, we want to ask our guests uh, what their first memory of well, in this case, it's cider. We always ask their first memory of beer. But what's your first memory of cider in your role at Incline Cider? Um, my first memory of cider in general would be, uh, I would say, you know, being right at legal drinking age. Um, or maybe not quite, and uh, enjoying some Hornsby's, like uh, green apple crisp cider. That was kind of uh, the only cider that existed in grocery stores at, at the time or seemed to be. Um, definitely, uh, you know, not the best way to start your experience with cider. Uh, but, you know, you're young, you, you try everything and anything, right? Exactly. But, but uh, you know, kind of evolving from that, uh, I think similar to a lot of people, I was really you know, turned on to cider, um, or at least kind of entering in the world a little bit with Angry Orchard, just given their market presence is that they've really been the category leader in terms of if you're going to go to a grocery store or even a gas station or anything, and they're going to have one cider, uh, which for quite a while, it, it, it was that way. Um, it was going to be Angry Orchard. So that was kind of what was out there, what was available. Um, certainly not, uh, you know, some of their traditional, uh, ciders that you find out they're readily available, not not exactly what what my palate goes after, but um, you know that was really the first experience and kind of understanding cider in the uh, in the market a little bit and and just what was available and and honestly what wasn't available out there for people. Um, but I got into making cider at home. I mean, literally, I, I lived in Arizona at the time, and uh, uh, that was the really only ciders you could find would maybe be a little woodchuck and uh, some Angry Orchard at the 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 different stores and everything else you had to either search really hard to seek out. But even at that, there just wasn't a ton of widely available cider and certainly not, um, you know, some more craft style cider. So I started making cider myself and that would be like my first kind of real memories is just, um, you know, my five gallon carboy and uh, the apple juice I could find readily available and uh, just giving it a go on my own and, and, uh, you know, making five gallons at a time. And so I thought I was making something that I was enjoying more than, you know, what was ready available where, where I lived at the time. Absolutely. And your, and your role at uh, Incline? Uh, so I'm the co-founder, um, owner. Uh, my dad and I started the company in 2015. Uh, so we're a small company that's been growing very quickly, but uh, him and I are the two sole owners. Um, it's, it's our baby and we do uh, wear a lot of hats, that's for sure. So we yeah. do do just just about everything between between the two of us. Mm. Uh, we talked on air, previous off air previously um, about life before Incline, but our listeners haven't heard that story. So tell us a little bit about your past. Yeah, I um, you know I got my uh, I went to I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. Um, you know, so a Northwest guy at heart. I went to school in Southern California, and uh, shortly after graduating from college, I ended up moving to Arizona just to really try something new, be somewhere new. 
And uh, what did you go to school to, for? What was that? What did you go to school for? Um, I went to school for communicative disorders. So that was essentially um, speech therapy um, was kind of the focus. So for a while in Arizona, I was a uh, uh, speech language pathologist assistant. So I was giving, uh, you know, different types of, of speech therapy um, to a wide variety of clients in schools, outside of schools, old and young. Um, so a good, good, fun, interesting mix. Um, and uh, yeah, kind of felt like I was at the point, uh, you know, I wanted a little career change early on and just felt that, you know, there's so many things I loved about that work that I did, uh, but I could just kind of tell it wasn't really filling that, uh, you know, that kind of void, uh, maybe deep in my heart somewhere. Uh, so I, I, you know, started looking for uh, different opportunities and uh, I got a job at Southern Wine and Spirits of Arizona. Uh, which is uh, one of the large um, wine and spirits distributor down there. So kind of started my career in the uh, wine and spirits industry, uh, just working as a uh, sales rep, you know, in different territories throughout towns and worked my way up uh, to a division manager, to a director. Um, and it was really, a, 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 I mean, in terms of what we do now and, and kind of building in Klein Cider Company was, you know, thoroughly built around my experience as all the time I've spent in grocery stores and merchandising product and uh, selling products, um, you know, kind of understanding like what makes things stick inside those grocery stores and, you know, took a lot of that into incline. But uh, uh, post Southern Wine and Spirits, I worked for Beam Centauri for a while. So that was all spirits. I was the uh, off-premise manager for the state of Arizona. So basically just managed um, most of the retail, the grocery retail sales for uh, uh, Arizona. And uh, yeah, just selling the portfolio of Beam Spirit. So that's everything from Jim Beam to Maker's Mark to Knob Creek, uh, Hornitos, Tequila, Salsa Tequila, F and Vodka. Uh, so pretty wide portfolio. But um, again, just kind of cutting my teeth in that uh, off-premise retail world. Yeah. Did you, um, at that point, you were home brewing uh, cider? I guess it's not home brewing, right? It's, it's just brewing cider. Brewing cider. Yeah, it, it'd, cider? it'd be yeah, <laughs> cider making. Um, okay. So yeah, technically, yeah, that's the if, if you get technical, it's yeah, it's one of those things. It's it's so commonly thrown out there, like uh, oh, I, I home brew, uh, but you know, I wouldn't stop you from saying that necessarily. But <laughs> yeah. uh, some people would say, no, no, you don't brew cider. It's you know, it's like wine making, so um, it's it's cider making. Mm. Uh, and you were doing that all all in Arizona, and then you. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. About, I would say a good, you know, four plus years of just um, making cider at home for fun um, and just uh, kind of got the bug to like uh, really experiment. And I came from not knowing anything about it, just literally, you know, searching the web and doing, um, you know, that style of research and then just trial and error, you know, just trying different things. And also like being limited with ingredients, I wasn't using fresh pressed apple you know, apple juice to uh, make these ciders. I was in Arizona, not exactly apple Mecca. And uh, so, yeah, it was just fun to kind of push the boundaries of like, well, what is available? How, you know, what ingredients can you get at, whether it's a, a grocery store or elsewhere? And uh, what what can you do with it, you know? Yeah. And that's from, you know, the yeast to the types of juice, uh, the temperature you're fermenting at, all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where I got the itch to like understand a little mm -hmm. tweak can make a fully different, and product, you know, in the homebrewing world in beer, there's a lot of local uh, homebrew communities, uh, clubs, and, and competitions. Is that is that the same for uh, cider making? Um, it does exist out there. Um, I've never really been involved. Um, I was always kind of more in the beer realm, anyways. Like uh, most of my buddies in Arizona and the, the the crew that I hung around with were all beer guys. So I just kind of was, you know, doing my own cider thing on the side, but just always participating at, you know, more beer centric events, just based around that's where all my buddies were going to be. I didn't really have anyone else that was like into cider or really even interested at all. Um, there just wasn't, uh, I, I guess, I wouldn't say I went to the great depths to explore where that community existed, um, you know, in Arizona at the time. Um, again, this was back in like 2014. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I ran with the beer crowd for sure and just kind of, kind of did my thing with them. Mm -hmm. So then at what point did, um, this cider making, like, when did it click and you're like, Hey, I should do this for a career. Um, you know, it was, uh, 
it was kind of like a, a, a long, slow click, um, you know, coming from that retail background. Um, as I said, my dad uh, and I started this company together. We're 50-50 partners through and through. Um, he comes from about 30 years of wine retail experience oh, and, wow. and all different <laughs> aspects. So, um, you know, he's he's had a, a, a nice career, but, uh, you know, also was kind of in a realm of, of potentially looking for a change and something different. And we kind of had that, like, quick moment where my dad was drinking more cider at the time, was just more interested in the cider, cider category in general. Again, not craft cider, because it just really wasn't widely available. Yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anytime he was coming over to visit, it was generally for holidays and, and things like that. I'd always have, uh, you know, five gallons of my uh, homemade cider on draft on my kegerator. And, nice. um, you know, he was enjoying that more and more every time he came over and it kind of reached that moment where I was like, you know, we, you know, not to, maybe this isn't the greatest thing that exists out there, but like, I would argue it's better than what we could go buy at the local Albertsons or Safeway right now, you know, just, just given that, uh, there's a lot of room for growth in, in craft ciders and things in, in those marketplaces. So we kind of had that moment where like, this is really good. And, and I'd always been, I've always been very interested in, in just business in general, um, so we kind of just had that talk of like, I, I wonder if we could do something with this. And I, you know, from my experience, just being and living in those grocery stores and seeing life cycles of products and, you know, feeling I had some sort of idea of what style of product would work well, you know, both actual taste wise, product wise, and then also visually everything else, um, you know, felt like we could make a go of it and, and try to do something on a bigger scale. For but sure. the, yeah. And then the caveat was that if we were going to do something that was going to, you know, we don't come from any sort of, uh, you know, rich uncle type money or inheritance. It was going to be, if, if we're going to make a living doing this, we have to go big with it. And if it yeah. doesn't work out big, it's not going to work out for us long-term. Like we kind of knew that going into it, right. but we felt that we could give it an honest shot, but mm -hmm. it wasn't going to be starting, uh, a cidery in a garage and opening up a small tasting room it that just wasn't realistic there there wouldn't have been a way for us to really make that work so then what did you start with did you instantly buy a whole production facility or no um you know i i basically you know try to do what i do best is just get scrappy and resourceful i um scoured the internet looking for um other local companies in the area that were you know, larger than us producing cider and saying, uh, you know, have you welcomed anyone else into your facility? Do you have any spare capacity that we could, um, you know, get involved? Essentially, we want to take some of these ciders from a yeah. very small scale to, uh, you know, uh, five gallons to, to 5,500 <laughs> gallons. Right, um, right. And so, you know, I uh, I ended up in a chance meeting with uh, his name's Colin Schilling, and he is hey, uh, one of the in in individuals that started Schilling Cider Company. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he initially he entertained a meeting with me, which was great. So we talked through email and talked on the phone for quite a while and just really gave him my vision of like the style of cider to, um, you know, put into to cans on a much larger level. And so he was open to the idea and we came and and uh, spent some time in the facility and really worked out a game plan for how we could make this work. Um, and yeah, we went from, you know, five gallons of cider at a time in my kegerator to uh, the first batch of inclined cider, which was 200 barrels, which is, uh, you know, about 5,500 gallons. So, wow. Um, that <laughs> that's was a, it. That's the, a difference. The first, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. The first time we put cider into cans, it was, uh, you know, 2,500 cases, Ooh, you know, was yeah. that, that initial production. And, uh, and that was really like the the formal start of Incline Cider. Was you, that a little scary going yeah, from yeah, five gallons of that and canning it and getting it out there to the masses like instantly? Like it it ooh. was, but um, you know it was it was kind of calculated too. I mean, it was okay. scary because um, you know you're taking a risk and you're investing a lot of money. And, and like I said, this is you know we're just taking money from our savings and and deciding we're gonna you know, go heavy on, on producing cider. Um, so that's the scary part is just, just investing in something like that. That is a total unknown. I mean, how are people going to react to it? Um, I think the, 
the confidence piece of it was like knowing where we came from. Like if this is going to have a chance and we make a great product, um, it, it really is going to have a chance, you yeah. know, we're, we're the people to, to give it a chance. And so, uh, I knew that the cider was going to be phenomenal. Um, I was excited about that. And also like taking some of the nerves away instead of buying, a a 10 and 20 barrel, you know, setup and, and kind of figuring out the kinks that way and, and working from the ground up, um, you know, getting involved with someone who could help me avoid a couple missteps likely, and, and also open up that door to this is better equipment than you could afford it, no matter how you want to go about it. Like these, <laughs> the processes that are, are built in in order here, like you couldn't have this stuff if you wanted to, unless you had, you know, a million or $2 million to, invest in initial equipment. So the quality, that was the biggest piece. We couldn't have got the same quality um, if we really just kind of started the thing in the garage uh, and and went about it that route. And, and that's been a big thing since day one is just quality and consistency is knowing that uh, every single time you go grab a six pack of our hop cider, it's going to taste as, as it should taste. So consistency. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we have to keep the lights on here at Brew Roots and we need a word from our amazing sponsor. So take it away, Sound Guy Ryan. Did you know that your favorite Massachusetts breweries use hops from a local family owned hop farm right here in Massachusetts? Our friends over at Four Star Farms are there for you, whether you're a commercial brewery or a small batch home brewer. Make sure to head over to their website today and get your hands on some of the best and freshest hops available locally. Cheers. At our local homebrew shop, Beer and Wine Hobby, you can get everything you need to make beer, wine, cider, cheese, and more. Not sure where to start? They have knowledgeable staff there to help. Beer and Wine Hobby is family owned and located in Danvers, Massachusetts. Visit their website, beer-wine.com, and use our promo code BRUITS for 10% off your online order today. Shirks on Tap is the box subscription service where you can get some of the dopest brewery t-shirts out there. I'm talking breweries from Dallas, San Diego, and even our home area of New England. And you might ask, how do I get my hands on some? To get your first box for $5, click the link below in our description, or head on over to our website, breweries.com. Remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts. All right, Jordan, so you mentioned that in 2015 you guys started, um, and you, out the gate, were doing cans. Um, Obviously, people like Angry Orchard, Magners, whatever, Woodchuck, all in bottles. Uh, Why did you choose cans? I mean, cans were, I think the writing was on the wall even before 2015. Um, I mean, just the initial concepts that they're they're more infinitely recyclable, so they are a more sustainable product. Um, just the weight, a bottle versus a can uh, in terms of shipping and what you can what you can work onto a pallet. Um, you know, we're we're outdoorsy people. We like to be outside. So being able to have our cider in cans was uh, almost mandatory because we want to go to the beach. We want to go to the lake. We want to go, you know, to the mountain. And, uh, you know, it definitely just kind of fits in with our uh, kind of adventure lifestyle, adventure brand of just um, getting outside and, and enjoying a, a cold cider. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the name Incline has something to do with the outdoor. Uh, was that is that the reason behind the name? Yeah, it's, you know, it's something that, uh, we didn't spend, um, you know, we didn't spend a year coming up with the name. Uh, it, it kind of just came about in terms of, uh, you know, the criteria was it, it needs to be relatively out, out outside focused and it needs to travel well, you know, we wanted to not necessarily be tied to, uh, you know, uh, a certain state or a certain city. Uh, we wanted the name to be able to travel well, um, and uh, yeah, with those being the criteria, my my dad was actually living in uh, Incline Village for a little while, and a very for a very short amount of time, we toyed with the idea of like, oh, Incline Village would be a, a great spot in Tahoe to to have a cider house to open up a little cider bar. Um, but fast forward, that it 
it never would have made sense. Um, we kind of knew that, but we, we walked away with the name, you know, and so that, uh, that, uh, you know, that was very positive coming out of that. We, we haven't looked back and, and, uh, it, it's incline has kind of been just that little in, insider piece of, uh, you know, that's where Chris was at the time. And, um, it just, it just seemed to fit. Yeah. Was there ever a plan B name or that was just always the, no, there's never been a plan B name. Um, that was really it. Yeah. We weren't even, weren't even close or really went down any like iterations with anything else. We kind of took that and, uh, and ran with it. Yeah. And so at this point you are still kind of sharing space with the other slattery or do you have your own space yet? No, um, continuing to share space with Schilling. I mean, in, in 2015, um, you know, we, we got our cider out there in front of a couple, uh, you know, a couple of key buyers and we're able to get some placements in some, some of the major retailers with our hop cider. Um, so at that point it was like, all right, now your cider is going into the grocery store. Are people going to buy it? Are they going to come back and buy it again? Uh, you know, that kind of kickstarted things. We got involved with a couple of great distributors, um, and, and we're able to, you know, service those grocery stores and get our products out there and, uh, fast forward to uh, the second cider we ever made uh, was our Marionberry cider. So it was quite a while where we only made two ciders. That was it. Wow. Um, working with uh, our friends at Schilling, uh, again, as opposed to looking into, as we started to grow quickly, of well, what's it going to take to branch off and go build our own facility from the ground up? Uh, we invested in more tank space at Schilling's facility. Um, you know, Schilling has been on a, a strong growth trajectory too. So they're constantly improving and getting better. So we found that as we were both growing, there was more opportunity for us to continue to kind of collaborate on some of these things, as opposed to us, you know, take, uh, you know, take it all away and, and, and kind of go start our own, our own setup. So we bought some 400 barrel tanks, uh, out of Schilling. So, uh, you know, we, we can make even more cider. Yeah. Very cool. And so now you're making the white peach, the passion guava, um, and they have the hot the blood cider. orange. Yeah. Are there any other ciders that you're making right now? Or is that kind of your portfolio? No, we got a pretty, pretty good lineup now. Um, basically our year round ciders are, uh, hopped Marionberry, blood orange, lemongrass. Uh, so those are offered okay. in 12 ounce cans in the six packs. Yep. And then we have the two 192s, which is the white peach and the prickly pear. <laughs> oh, um, man. So that 192. <laughs> yeah. Killer. <laughs> <laughs> those are two that, uh, yeah, the 192s are really fun. Super fun category to get into. We kind of got into it relatively early on the cider thing, cider side of things, which has been um, which has been awesome. But uh, all my yeah, favorite just, lager breweries should definitely get into the 19.2. Allagash does well, yeah, it. Yeah, I know, yeah. But they're the only other ones I, yeah, know, I know that do that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the, the transition from the 22 ounce bottles to the 19.2. Okay. That can make sense. It's, it's, it's still taking a little time, but it's definitely, it's, it's, you asked the question earlier, why, why did you put your cider into cans versus bottles? It's a, it's the same reason that 22s will begin to exist only in, 19.2 ounce can format, you know, for the most part. Right. Um, but, right. uh, yeah. In addition to those ciders I mentioned, we, we do have a seasonal lineup. Um, so we, uh, we offer like a rotating seasonal cider, uh, that goes in between, uh, passion guava is just got canned up. So that's jumping into its season. Uh, that'll be followed by a compass rosé, uh, which we use a tea blend for from a tea maker down in Oregon. Um, oh, nice. It's like rose, rose hips, hibiscus, elderflower, and ginger. Um, makes a really nice uh, cider. Just gives it some nice rich tannins and a beautiful color. Um, and then that transitions into a uh, cranberry for kind of the, the holiday months that we just just got through here. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Jordan, let's talk about um, your cider. I mean, obviously our listeners can't taste it right now. Or is your cider? I know the answer, but is your cider more of a dry, sweeter one, or is it a sweet cider? What's what's uh, what what is an inclined cider for those people who yeah. have not had it? On a on a technical level, in terms of how cider is usually classified, um, uh, the majority of our ciders would fall in the semi sweet category. Um, on like an actual sugar content level, you know, measured by bricks, we're usually like right at the threshold of uh, semi dry to semi sweet. So we find, you know, in terms of uh, 
I, I hate describing some of our ciders like our hop cider as a semi-sweet cider because right. I think it gives someone an instant uh, connotation of like what what it might taste like or what to expect. Um, you know, and same thing with like our Compass Rosé, that tea gives it so many nice, uh, beautiful, rich tannins and it, it comes off much more on the dry side. Uh, but again, on a technical level, it would be a, a semi-sweet cider. Um, the white peach, you know, that that's definitely a semi-sweet cider. Um, and, uh, you know, easy to describe as such, but I try to not, you know, when people come into our tap room to taste things and, and, you know, I want them to, to just get the full experience and, and not judge too much, but the majority of our ciders, uh, are, are in that semi-sweet, but right on the brink of semi-dry category. So what I call that is just, we make ciders that are right down the middle, nothing yeah. real sweet and nothing real dry. The white peach that you had is about as sweet as we make anything. Oh my um, gosh. And that wasn't even, that's, yeah. Oh my God. That was yeah, wonderful. And, and, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the lemongrass um, and the hopped, those are uh, about as dry as we make anything either, which again, they, they are. I was going to say, this is dry, wonderfully but, dry, but I wouldn't say yeah. it's like, I don't know, it's not killing me dry, you yeah, know. It's, it's, it's not like some absolutely. of the sour beers that just take like all yeah, the saliva yeah. out of your. Yeah, and with some ciders, you get some of that. Um, you know, if they're bone dry, it's, it is like a, like a really dry, like white wine. Right, you know, it, right. Um, so we we try to make cider that is is compelling to people that are you know really only like dry stuff and also for people that really like sweet stuff can find something that might be like a level up um you know maybe a, a nicer craft cider that uh kind of fills that void if it if it isn't quite as as sweet as they're generally used to or or aim for so we, we ride right in the middle just to get you know we find that we just want to get more people into the category and uh, that's kind of our lane. And so we, we definitely say that we make, you know, an incline style of cider. When we come out with new flavors, you know, we, we can preface it, you know, give you all the descriptors on it, but remind you like it's an incline style cider. So, you know, it's not going to be crazy sweet off the wall and you know, it's not going to be bone dry. It's going to be, you know, crushable and, and enjoyable. Right. It's, it's cool. That term translates from cider to beer. Yeah. Right. Crushable. <laughs> um, <laughs> Love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I think a lot of times the stigma that cider has is I always have a headache when I drink cider or I feel like crap after I drink cider. Um, personally, when you drink some of those uh, macro ciders, um, sure. that is, that is uh, that's the fact. Is that just because they're super sweet, though, or is it something different? Yeah. There could be a lot of factors. I mean, you know, certainly everyone responds differently to things. You know, there will be people that would, would tell you that if uh, – you know, if a red wine contains even trace amounts of sulfites, it'll give them an immediate headache. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard that. Yep. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and cider is similar. There's a lot of ways to to create a cider from start to finish, um, you know, but some of those uh, larger scale ciders. I mean, if you do go read the ingredients label, which is kind of the fun part of, of cider, at least in the craft aspect versus beer is. Uh, beer, there's no requirements for ingredients or any type of nutrition facts on the cans. Uh, but cider, you do have to require that. And you'll notice like on the passion guava can, if you take a look at that, um, there's actually like a full blown nutrition facts panel on there. And that's like an, a new FDA mandate, FDA mandate for 2021. Um, just given the category that, that cider kind of awkwardly falls into. Um, yeah. Holy so, shit. Yours, yours, I'm looking at the peach. Yeah. Just pressed so, apple juice, peach juice, white peach extract and hops. Yeah. So we, we keep things simple in our ciders. Um, you know, we, we also, um, have the joy of, uh, you know, we pasteurize our cider so we don't have to add sulfites and, nice. and sorbate to, uh, to stop that process. So, uh, using the pasteurization again, and, and it keeps things very consistent and also kind of, uh, you know, uh, prohibits some, you know, potential off flavors as well as, you know, those folks we do put that they naturally do contain sulfites on the cans, but we don't add any sulfites to our cider. Um, you know, but you can go buy other ciders that have, you know, caramel coloring in them and, and other just weird stuff that yeah. again, if you, if you drink six or eight of anything that has 28 grams of sugar in it, uh, you know, <laughs> you're going to feel bad after. <laughs> yeah. Just like drink like seven Cokes in a night and tell me how you feel the next day. You know, know, it's, know uh, yeah. You know, yeah. so I wouldn't sleep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That too. But we, we try to keep it simple. You know, we don't like to have weird long drawn out ingredient labels and, and, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, to make simple craft cider. Yeah. Local ingredients, local apples or. 
100% local apples. I mean, we're in, in Tacoma here. We do all our production is, is in Auburn and we have a bar here in Tacoma. Um, nice. But, uh, you know, we're, we're stones throw away from the Yakima Valley, which is the apple oh. capital of the, the U.S. So it, Yak- it, uh, apples, it make, hops, <laughs> they do it all yeah, there, I guess. <laughs> absolutely. It wouldn't make sense to go anywhere else. So um, and we work with some other great companies here as well for other types of unique ingredients, depending on what those may be in terms of uh, logically sourcing, but uh, we're able to get most everything out of Oregon and Washington. So we don't really travel, travel too far for, um, for anything, it's notably convenient. anything major. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's great to just support other companies, you know, other Washington companies too, and sure. kind of yeah. that, that cycle of, of business. Yeah. I have to applaud you. You actually executed a peach cider, uh, that actually tastes like cider, like, like a uh, peach. Thank I you. feel like I feel like a lot of times we have uh, peach is like a weird flavor. It doesn't always peaches, yeah never translates, translates correct. very well. And this yeah. is not offensive. It doesn't taste like an old peach. It just tastes <laughs> sure. old yeah, peach. Yeah, it's nice. So no, I, yeah, I mean, I trust me. I I think about all that kind of stuff when we go into making a cider. And and again, what what ingredients are going to go into that cider? There's not a ton of ciders that we use. Things like there is a we use a white peach extract um, in that cider. Um, in addition to peach juice and, you know, that's to me, that was the difference for like capturing that peach flavor and making like the best product possible. Um, so we're not of the kind of like, we only use like this strict regimen of these types of ingredients or whole fruit only. We definitely go for, you know, what is going to give that best end result product that we're really looking for and don't want to compromise on, on that overall flavor. So, um, yeah, the white peach is a great example of something that we, uh, you know, worked hard and tried a lot of different iterations um, before what we did land on, but uh, it comes together to make a really, really awesome cider. Yeah. I'm curious about the rules and regulations of owning a uh, cidery versus owning a brewery in, uh, in, in Washington. Is it, is it, is it similar to owning like a winery or, or a vineyard? Uh, yep, yeah, license? so we're, we're, we're licensed as a winery. Right. That's that's exactly what we are. There is no uh, no special classification or even special permit or anything you would get for cider. Um, that's kind of, uh, you know, if you're working with fruit as your base, um, you know, you're making wine. So we're classified as a winery. You know, you pay taxes on two different levels if you if you add any additional fruits besides apple to your cider, you're making fruit wine. So, you know, we pay hard cider tax on like our hop and our lemongrass, but we pay fruit wine tax on our Marion berry and, and blood orange, things like that. Um, but, the fancy stuff. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Get some of that fruit wine. But, uh, you know, we, uh, yeah, we operate exactly as a winery and that's what we're licensed as. Um, so in terms of brewery, I'm not overly tuned on like what the, some of the finicky differences may be. Um, but I know in Washington, you know, they run pretty similarly together, um, in terms of, uh, I, I would say the rules are relatively relaxed if, you know, that we don't have any weird restrictions on food and, uh, things like that. I know, to avoid some of that, you know, we, we have our production space and then we just opened a full blown bar in downtown Tacoma, um, full blown meaning just beer, wine and cider, but, uh, it is a cider bar as opposed to just an incline, you know, little tap room, um, to, to kind of keep us even more open to being able to carry other people's products. I think that's one of the community the aspect, pieces. Yeah. yeah. Community aspect. And, and I know as a, uh, I remember years ago working through all the licensing, but if we wanted to carry other people's product, um, other people's ciders, beers, et cetera, uh, being licensed as a winery in Tacoma, like as an additional tasting room space, that wasn't going to be realistic. So we opted to open a tavern uh, and that kind of left us open to curate the menu however however we wanted. Wow, that's cool. That's awesome. I think nice. this is the first time we've talked to somebody that's a brewery. Brewery, I say that in air quotes, or, or cidery. Um, that's gone that ass, that that road, you know, that, that down there. Yeah. The- they don't have like a tap run. They have like a, a, a bar. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's so there. kick ass. That's, that's nice. Uh, and that's that's lovely because that offers a full slate of options to your patron, patrons, you know, like yeah. because I think oftentimes we talk to breweries and they say, you know, we ask the question, you know, how do you get someone who's not a beer drinker into your building? And they say, oh, right. well, you know, we have X, Y, and Z. Yeah. We have seltzer. Yeah. We have a light sure. light option. But you literally have everything, everything except for <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Now, no hard alcohol though, right? No hard alcohol for sure. But yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it is having something for everyone. And, and at least if we get people inside, I, I can, it's not hard to twist someone's arm to have a, <laughs> a, a one ounce taste of the hop cider, right. you know, and, yeah. uh, but we have such a great, we always have a, a nice rotating list of Northwest beers. So uh, I know I'm a beer guy. I love my beer. So I take pride in, in the, the beers that we, we curate out there. Yeah. You guys and, have some uh, pretty good beers out in the Pacific Northwest. So yeah, <laughs> no, no shortage yeah. for sure. So it, it keeps it fun. And, you know, I, I argue this, if I'm going anywhere too, like uh, if I'm going out for an evening, there's a chance that I'm not just going to drink, you know, four or five of one type of thing. I might want a cider or two, and then I might want a great craft beer too, you know, right. and, mm-hmm kind of having having that option has been nice and the bar is only a year old we just kind of crossed the year old so we went uh, basically four years without having a space where people could come and like drink our ciders kind of with us if you will um you know while they were more widely available uh and retail but we didn't have that kind of uh more sense of home where customers could come visit and hang out until uh, a little over a year ago yeah to to kind of there's the elephant in the room, obviously, with COVID nineteen happening right now. Um, What's COVID? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, that new thing. That thing. Uh, uh, obviously, you guys had a, a a good business before distributing and, and having your product in, into the into the uh, market. Yeah, uh, how have you guys adapted in a COVID world now? Obviously, with having that bar, is things aren't open in Washington? I'm guessing. We, we just kind of went back on a, like a modified rollback. So when COVID initially hit, um, we went into like a kind of our initial lockdown in March. And uh, that was, gosh, we did, I want to say four months of uh, just to go only sales. Um, wow. So we, we were allowed to operate, but we, you know, couldn't have customers in the space. So it was just kind of that mad dash to like be, uh, uh, turn into a little to-go only store and, and keep customers coming in to buy stuff to go. Um, we worked with the city here and fortunately they allowed us to uh, use our parking spaces out front and downtown to turn into a little patio. So we, we got licensed with the city and the state and the liquor board to, to have a patio and that kind of opened us back up to people could sit down and drink if they were outside and it was, you know, uh, five people or less. And, yeah. And we, we went back into, you know, we were open for indoor dining, but it was, you know, parties of five or less and you have to be in the same household. And then it opened back up to groups of six or less. Doesn't matter your household. And then back to being to go only as of uh, right before. I think the 15th is when we kicked off that. So it's kind of been an evolving cycle. But I mean, my wife uh, manages the entirety of the business at the bar. Nice. Um, that's her her thing from you know regulation pieces and paying taxes to our employees and and she makes that place run so it's been uh we've both known that like since that all that stuff started in march it was going to be a long road and we never got too excited when you know the regulations rolled back and forward it was just kind of like it is what it is and you know it we just you can't be surprised at this point right right all the punches Absolutely. Well, before we get to know Jordan a little bit more and see what's in his fridge. More home, than we already do? I know. I want to know what he's drinking at home because there's some <laughs> friggin' good beers. And, it's our and, fave. Yeah, yeah. We have to keep the lights on. Ryan's giving me like the, the doodly-doo to the sponsors. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> to hurry the hell up. Kick-ass sponsors. <laughs> Tell them what's up. Are you a solo artist, band, podcaster, or anyone else who needs recording services? Well, we got a place for you where your vision can become a reality. Welcome to Small Pond Studios, built by hand with heart and sweat equity by musicians for musicians. Go to smallpondstudios.io to reach out to get more information. And make sure you let them know that Brute sent you. Hey, Sound Guy Ryan here. Didn't know if you heard, but we're part of the Hopped Up Network. There you'll find other informative podcasts about beer. So go ahead, follow them on social media, and visit them on their website, hoppedupnetwork.com, to learn more about the people, beer, and breweries from around the country. And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers.
Um, before we get into what's in your fridge, Erica informed me she has an awesome Yeah, no, I just, I just had another question. Um, so I know like in beer, they're always like, you know, drink fresh, gotta have the freshies. Um, is that a thing for cider too, or does cider kind of age better in cans, I guess? Uh, you know, it's kind of a tough question. It, it really depends. There's such a diverse world of cider out there. There's cider that is very much, um, you know, crafted in the same fashion that wine is, that it should be aged. Um, you know, it generally that's going to be in a bottle, not in a can. Yeah. Um, but, uh, there is that aging aspect. It really just depends on the style of cider that you're trying to make. Um, in terms of like the freshies and, you know, flavor degradation, I mean, in beer that really is, is due to the hop characteristic is that, um, you know, a fresh hop beer is going to lose that, that original, you know, fresh hop characteristic after it's sat for several months. Right. Um, with cider and I, I can really only speak to, to our cider, you know, for the most part, but the nice thing is with our processes, notably that we do pasteurize our product that like once it's put in that can, that is like the, the safest place it could be in terms of, of extending that shelf life. You know, we're able to have a year shelf life on our, wow. our products as opposed to, nice. um, you know, beer, which is, is usually in the, the many months range. Sometimes um, weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and with that, you know, I, I just to, to touch on, like I said, with our, our, our quality and consistency being so important to us and, uh, the means in which we do can our products. I mean, uh, I've had ciders that are three years old, four years old in the can, and, uh, they're still carbonated and they still taste great. You know, That's so awesome. it, it just kind of, it's fun to have that growing library and just tasting old funky stuff. that <laughs> doesn't really taste old and funky. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. But, and, and even with our hop cider, we don't use, uh, it's not like a smattering of hops. That's gonna, you're going to start to lose that flavor. It's kind of like the nice subtle backbone in that cider. So we find that even with the hop cider, you don't, you don't lose that. As Erica cracks in the fresh yeah. one. Right? I'm going to try the hop one. Yeah. What else do we got in there for me to try? <laughs> mm, that hop cider is fantastic. There's a lot, Ryan. Yeah. So Jordan, what's in your, your fridge at home? Uh, you said you're a beer guy, um, but yeah. Um, so I would say easy note. I, uh, I, there's like just a special place burned in my heart for a Sierra Nevada celebration ale. Oh, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I absolutely love that beer. So I, I buy a, many six packs of that while it's out. Um, Local brewery, uh, not too far from our bars in Tacoma, E9 Brewing Company, um, had a couple of their, uh, they, they do a lot of different beers, so something new from them coming out, you know, seemingly every couple of weeks, but I was drinking one of their West Coast IPAs uh, on Monday night for the Seahawks game, and uh, a couple cold Rainiers in the fridge too, so I don't, uh, I don't discriminate uh, from, you know, Rainier and PBR and some of those, uh, uh, those are those lighter beers as well that, that have their place for me. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's I well, you asked you answered my my guilty pleasure beer, I guess. But uh, do you have any dream <laughs> collaboration? Are collaborations a thing in the cider world, or have you done any with breweries? Um. So we we have done a collaboration with Schilling. Um. In the past, we each uh, released a fresh hop cider. Actually, um, we did a fresh hop cider with rhubarb. They did a fresh hop cider with um. Uh, blueberry, I believe it was. Very it's almost cool. fun. You know, we did like uh, we did that in sixteen ounce bottles and had like uh, kind of mirroring labels. So it was like yeah. a fun partnership kind of collaboration. Um, beyond that, we haven't done anything. It's just not something you see a ton of. Um, we do have some stuff in the works with a brewery here in uh, Tacoma, so super excited about that. Uh, but you do kind of start to walk a interesting tightrope, notably like working with. Uh, uh, another brewery of mm. what exactly are you selling and marketing and, and kind of how do you get that to translate to consumers to be excited to try, uh, you know, a beer cider hybrid. But I can tell you the things that we have crafted up have been absolutely stellar. So um, you, you taste it, you know. Do you ever have like a licensing issue with that? Making a cider with a brewery or vice versa? You know, that's a good question. Um I said we haven't kind of formalized that yet um, in terms yeah. of actually creating a product with the brewery. Okay. Um, you know, you bring up a good point, though. Yeah. <laughs> so I, Look I, into I, it. I, I, yeah, you know, or, 
or we just, you know, or just go with it until someone tells you no. <laughs> beg, beg for good for forgiveness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. And then something like that is, you know, like a we do produce our ciders on a fairly large scale, so something with the brew would be a more local oriented piece as opposed to a, you know, multi state rollout. Right. Yep. Oh man, you segue perfect into uh, yeah. Speaking of that, <laughs> yeah, multi-state. Multi um, what states are you guys available in? Uh, let's see if I can fire them off. We got uh, Washington, of course, hometown. Um, we have Oregon, Alaska, Hawaii, Idaho, Utah, um, Michigan, Missouri, tiny bit in Wyoming. Uh, who am I forgetting? You get into the Northeast anytime soon? <laughs> nothing, nothing too deep yet. Um, I think that's a pretty solid list. I might be missing one or two easy ones there. A little bit in California. I was about to say California, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Just, just a little bit in like uh, the Yosemite area um, and uh, in the Mammoth area. But, but it's it's tough because we, you know, we are very retail focused in terms of like growing the business. So wherever we do go, we need to have the right distributor partner. So as much as we could get some smaller distributors to bring us on, we really, the question is like, does your distributor, you know, can you guys service, you know, do you service every Albertson Safeway, you know, and in, in the Northern half of the state or whatever, Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it has to make sense that way. So, um, but we, we've, we've been busy too. So with the, the eight or nine states that we're in right now, um, you know, we're not um, itching to grow too much more. I think uh, yeah. hopefully 2021 will be the first year we've been able to really like stay in stock all year long. Ooh, and, you know, that's, nice. that's, that's beneficial in its own right, just to focus on what you got. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing I did just notice about your cans, and I, and I knew this in the back <laughs> of my mind, taking notes before, uh, gluten-free. Are you guys truthfully gluten-free? Someone who yeah. has celiac can... And crush yep. these absolutely um there's just nothing that goes into it um that it would hinder that so it starts out as gluten-free and it, it finishes as as gluten-free we don't have to do anything uh special to to craft that so that again comes from just uh, fresh pressed apples is the base for the cider uh you know that gets fermented down and um depending on the cider you know whatever kind of post-fermentation fun we like to have with it <laughs> um but yeah absolutely the uh, uh truly gluten-free not not certified we haven't gone the route to go uh, get the stamp and kind of put that on all the cans but it is becoming more of a uh i'd argue i got the question a lot more four or five years ago of like is this gluten-free versus the majority of people knowing that if it is a cider that um it it should in theory be gluten-free you know yeah. we're spending right. um you know yeah cool so we want our listeners to get their hands if they are in the Pacific Northwest on your product and yeah. in some of those states that you mentioned earlier. How can they find it? Um, in Oregon, Washington, you know, the, the, those are the, that's kind of the big one for us. And that's our backyard up here. Um, but we're readily available at most all retailers. So that's Albertson, Safeway, Fred Meyer, Winco, Whole Foods, um, you know, Total Wine, BevMo. Um, you name it, you should be able to walk into a grocery store and see at least one or two of our ciders in there. Um, the further out you go, the kind of the, a little little harder it, it gets to be, but we are in some schnuck stores um, out, out east a little further. Um, but yeah, if you come up to the Northwest, uh, you know, pop into your local grocery store and uh, just peep the cider out and you'll, you should see some incline. Nice. Um, and of course, if you're, uh, you're in Washington or in Tacoma, then come visit us at the uh, incline cider house. And uh, do you have a website where they can kind of get this information from? Yeah, uh, inclinesider.com. Um, you can order cider to have it shipped to your door. We were able Ooh. to ship to about 39 states as well. So uh, you 39 states. Place an order online. So yeah, <laughs> we, we, can, we, can, uh, we can get out there to more states nice. than we currently distribute to just on a you know case-by-case -case shipping label. Awesome. Um, but yeah, inclinesider.com. Absolutely. And social media? Uh, at Incline Cider and uh, Incline Cider House on Instagram, and uh, that's that's where that starts and stops. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool, love it. Yeah, uh, uh, Jordan, thank you so much for doing this tonight. We do appreciate oh. you taking some time out of your day. Uh, one, one last one last question. question. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we like to end every episode with what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? Um. 
You know, I would just say uh, Incline in general, it's been a wild ride um, to build this business. And so I'm, I'm proud of uh, feeling I'm at the point where I have accomplished building a, a business that I can make a living off of and that, uh, you know, my, my family can make a living off of um, being able to employ people in the community as well. Um, yeah, it's just been a fun wild ride for five years. I mean, we sold 10,000 cases our first year and we're going to sell a little over 300,000 cases, uh, this year at at year five. So that's awesome. um, Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm just proud that, uh, you know, both my dad and I, we kind of walked away from, um, great jobs and opportunities (laughs) to, to give something a try. And, um, I'd be proud if, if things didn't work out, but I, I couldn't be more thrilled that this is what I, I get to do for a, for a living. So, well, Very I think cool. cheers to owning a family owned business. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. awesome. That's really, really cool. And yeah, we still talk, you know, we still talk, we still hug. Uh, we, that's we the best. Time. We get together at the holidays. <laughs> so, you know, nothing's been burned. And I would just think my last note on that is just that, you know, between everything that I bring to the table and that my father Chris brings to the table, uh, we're a really good team. That the things that he can do are not my strong suit and what I do. Uh, you know, he, he, he could not could not accomplish himself. So we come together to make a great team. And I think that really keeps it fun too. Yeah. True family owned business. It sounds like, so that's, that's awesome. Well, Absolutely. well we're going to hang out virtually a little bit more with, with Jordan and, and chug more beers. I mean, uh, ciders, ciders actually. Oh, ciders. I'm the worst. There, <laughs> listen, I, I just want to let you know, there's like 156 beers around us right now. So the fact we may have drank them all already. Yeah. We don't know. I don't know. But, uh, but, but Jordan, thank you for doing this again. We really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, go support uh, cider. I mean, we don't often highlight cider. Crafted and, cider. And, and, uh, love it. I love it. Every time we do these cider episodes, I'm like, so we cool. should do more. We will explore explore more craft cider. Just just taste it. You know, just when you see it out, just just try it. It's just uh, you know, give it a shot like anything else, and uh, kind of add it into the portfolio there. Yeah. Will do. Well, Jordan, thank you for doing this tonight. And cheers. 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 All right. Thank you for listening to our episode with our friends at Incline Cider out in Colorado. Uh, We have some awesome episodes lined up for you in 2021. So please follow us on all social medias to find up and stay up to date with all of our episodes and things that we are doing across the board. We're going to be brewing this year. We're going to be talking with more breweries and we're going to be hanging out with some amazing people in the beer community. So you're going to want to stay up to date with us. Where can we be found, Erica and Ryan? Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Hey, we're even on Twitter. We are even on Twitter, (laughs) which we suck at, but that's okay. Erica does it. Yeah. They don't even know. We're pretty good at it. Uh, So uh, (laughs) next week we have an amazing episode from The Barrel, right? Yeah. Yeah. From The Barrel. That was a great episode. I really liked that, and I can't wait for you guys to hear more about it. And we're promising on one of our 2021 goals of interviewing more New Hampshire breweries, and that was our- Yes. Look at that. We answered it. We're done. We're done. We're done. No, but uh, seriously, the New Hampshire beer scene is really cool, and we can't wait to go out there more. Um, And if you have a New Hampshire beer brewery that we have not interviewed, you can go on our website and check all of the, the episodes that we have done. And we can interview more New Hampshire breweries if you find them. Yeah. I've also had too many beers. So that's the outro. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.